0: In case I forget at the end of this, uh, there is no Sunday school today. We usually take the week off between uh, after Thanksgiving. So no Sunday school today, no cross training. There is coffee and things downstairs. So you, you're still welcome to stay and uh, be together and have some fellowship, but no Sunday school. <clears throat> So, how many of you went to the Festival of Lights on, I think it was Friday, right? The the lighting of the Christmas tree and all this. Anybody go? None of you? Oh, ba-la-la, right? Okay. All right. Well, okay. So, when I hear about uh, a Festival of Lights, I think about growing up in the Peoria area because they have a Festival of Lights there, too, only better. Now, I love Three Lakes. I love Three Lakes. Um, and you should have been there for the for the festival of lights. Um, well, I know I wasn't there. I was I was with, I was with my family. It's all right. Um, but um, there was a lot of people there. I did drive by it. There was a lot of people out, you know. And I've done it before. You get your hot chocolate. And, but anyway, festival of lights, East Peoria. This is what they do. They have this huge parade, and they have these these floats that are made up entirely of lights. Thousands and thousands of lights. And, and, and some of them are like kind of generic, like there's a huge train, which is pretty cool. But some of them are very specific, like there's like the Starship Enterprise, you know, made of lights. The Batmobile, you know, an X-Wing, uh, you know, all, all these different really cool nerdy lights coming down the street. You know, Pete's Dragon, they have a Pete's Dragon, you know? So, it's like all these awesome lights coming down the street. And, and what they do is at the parade, they take them up to the park, and at the park on top of this, uh, on, on top of this hill, it's Springfield Road, goes up this, this steep hill, and they park them in the park, and then people drive through them, and, and they see the lights. And you pay, like, way too much money, 15 bucks to see the lights. Um, and uh, anyway, so almost every year we, we load up the kids in the car, and, and we all drive, and, and we see the lights. Now, uh one of the hazards of seeing the lights is some people, what they want to do is they just kind of want to drive by the park and just, like, look at the lights from the side, you know. And not actually get into the lights. And, and so, there'll be, there'll be like a center lane, and the center lane is for people that are going to see the lights. The other two lanes are obviously, you know, up the hill and down the hill. But there's a center lane where people are getting in line to see the lights, and it's busy, like it can be all the way down this hill for people to see these floats, these lights. Now, uh, one year, is it okay if I tell the story, Chris, about your accident? Is that okay? No, I'm telling the story. I'm telling the story. Okay. I forgot, I totally didn't ask her to do this, but it wasn't her fault. So, so Christy, Christy's parents, her, she grew up, like, up the hill and, and down the roadways. And so she was traveling home one day, and someone was in line to see the lights, and they were kind of, like, looking over the lights, and then they must have changed their mind. And so they got out of the middle lane, and they ran right into Christy, because they, they decided not to not see the lights. And, and, and crashed. I don't know what happened, I don't know if they decided they didn't want to pay, or did they decide that they'd seen enough of the lights from the, you know, from the viewing angle they were at? I don't know, but they changed their mind, hate Christy, and now that now you got an accident on the hill. Um, I know, I know, Christmas is full of light. it's full of joy, full of wonder. The snow's coming down. Uh, you got your Christmas tree all decorated, and we have a beautiful tree, some trees here, you know. And it just fills you with an incredibly warm feeling. There's lots of wonderful things about Christmas. But there's also a lot of Christmas, the Christmas season, this season, can bring up a lot of the darkness, too. And I think we just need to acknowledge that, that not everything is bright, cheery, happy all the time. That that Christmas can bring out family dysfunction, because, you know, you're going to, you're going to be eating with some of the people that that have major issues and and you're hanging out with them, and and all those issues are kind of brought back up because you don't see them throughout the year usually, but they're right there, and you're dealing with dysfunction. For some people, Christmas, you know, we're we're singing Christmas songs and, and we're singing about the virgin birth and we're singing about Christ being born as a baby, the Son of God, and yet maybe you bring doubt into the Christmas season where it's like, I get everybody's, so excited about Jesus, but I don't even know. I don't even know. And so for you, there's some darkness there. For others, it may be the reality that you've lost someone you love, and it seems like the feelings come on almost like bitterness during the holidays. Why aren't they here? How do I deal with that? I don't know. But I do know That the holiday season often highlights darkness in our lives. And yet, Christ wants to shine a light into that darkness. So this message today is really introducing the theme for our Advent season, which which we'll kick off next week, and that is Jesus as the light of the world and how Jesus shines light into darkness. So if you would, would you grab a Bible and turn to John chapter 1? What I intend to do is spend the next four or five weeks in John 1 and some related passages and looking specifically at how light shines into darkness. Here's John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man, was coming into the world. Mm -hmm. You can't read John 1 and not see connections with Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God separated light from darkness. God speaks, and worlds come into existence. Where did life come from? Life came from life. Life came from God. Not accidental, but purposeful. Not material that was colliding and exploding, but but a thinker, a God who, who wanted there to be life. And not that I know all the answers about Genesis and creation, but I do know it came from the mind of God. I know Scripture tells us God speaks and things happen. And after we read Genesis, we find out in John 1, that that powerful Word, the Word that can create worlds, is actually Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the One that created everything that you see. Nothing exists that Jesus didn't create. So Jesus is the Creator. He is the powerful Word of God. And what it says here is, in verse 4, Jesus in Him was life. And the life, was the light of men? What does that mean? In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. When Jesus created everything, how is life light? How is life light? And I think of it like this: you know, there's a lot of different answers to that question. And and I read, you know, the really smart people that that are that are that are throwing all these ideas out. And some people say, well, it is physical life. Jesus is responsible for like the life of the mind and the mind provides light because you, you can think about things you can figure things out you can design things you, you can you can think about what your life means. other people say it, it, it's like the it's the light of the spirit the spiritual life it, there's a part of you that is immaterial it's invisible it's your spirit. But I think the best answer and because John doesn't define it, I think you got to say, if in Jesus' life, and Jesus created all life, and that life was the light of men, what we're saying is Jesus is responsible for all life as we know it. And and, and that is, he's responsible for your spirit, your body, your mind, everything that you, all your perceptions, your conscience. I like to think of it kind of like um, Buckingham, Fountain in Chicago. Can we, can we pull that slide up, that picture? Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Buckingham Fountain, but it's really impressive during the day to see it. I think it's even more impressive at night. You got this gigantic fountain, all these gallons of water bursting through it, and there's lights in the water. And so when you go to see it at night, I mean, and you need to see it at night at some point. I know it's safer in the day you're, you're there, and you know, but 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 night, you got to see it at night because it's lit up and the lights are changing, and, and the water is just full of light. And, and I think that's the idea John's going for here. Like, Jesus is the author of all life. Life is bursting from Him. So you have a physical life, you have a spiritual life, all your life is from Him. You all you owe it to Him. You, your mental faculties, your intellect, it's all from Him. The things you can think about. And so for the, for the person who doesn't believe in God, for the atheists, they're reasoning that God doesn't exist and the only reason they can reason at all is because Jesus gave them a mind. He gave them the light of the mind and yet the mind becomes full of of darkness. But that life is the light of men. That there there's something about us that's designed to pursue light, to want more light. There's something about me that says I I I don't want to just die and have it stop existing. That God's given me a spirit. But when I die, there's an invisible part of me that goes back to God. Jesus gives humans the light of life. And again, I think we could specifically say it's the light of the mind and the light of the spirit. That there's a part of you that takes in what's going on around you and seeks it out. And seeks out answers. And the answers lead to more light, lead to Jesus light. That's number one. Now, what's interesting here is uh John does not mention where the darkness comes from. You know, if you read John one, you know, you've got Jesus is in the beginning, like like Jesus is the pre existent one, you know, he is God, and all things are made through him. And then you've got verse five, the light shines in the darkness. Darkness. Where did the darkness come from? Now again, John one mirrors Genesis one. And so in Genesis one we know in Genesis one, you know, two and three and four, but we see where darkness comes from. Because God made everything and He put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And there was one tree there was two trees. One tree is the tree of life, one tree is the knowledge of good and evil. And there was one tree they couldn't eat from, and that is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if you're a kid, I know, I know, you've thought this at some point. Why didn't they not eat from that tree? Like, why did they do it? Because God said, if you take the fruit, you're going to die. Like, the warning is there. Kind of like, you know, burning your hand on the, you know, you, you tell your kids, don't touch the stove, you'll burn your hand, and they reach up anyway. Like, yeah, don't do it, but then they do it. What is the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Again, there's lots of thoughts and lots of writing on what that means. I tend, I'll just tell you how I tend to see the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil. Um, Good and evil, I think, is a figure of speech. We call a merism. Um, and what, what it refers to is, it's like when you say, um, I've been driving day and night. What you mean is, all the time? And so good and evil would refer to, like, everything. You know, the, the, the knowledge of everything. And maybe even the knowledge of everything to do with morality. The knowledge of everything. Good and evil. Light and darkness. When you have these two opposites, let me tell you one of the most famous merisms, maybe, in the whole Bible. One of my favorites, at least. Um, Romans eight thirty-eight. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, there's a merism, angels or demons, merism, present, future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, do, do you hear all the figures of speech there? Do you see it? Death, life, angels, demons, present, future, you know, height, depth, the idea is nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate you from the love of God. So that, that's a merism. The idea of two opposites, what you mean is all of it. And so there was this knowledge of good and evil, this full knowledge. And when Eve looked at the tree. She said it looked, it looked good for gaining wisdom. She, she was going to learn something from this. Something that God didn't want her to know, at that point at least. And so she took it. And it's not that I think the fruit was some sort of, it's not like evil fruit, but but in the sense that God said, don't eat it. And they did. And I also think about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that there, there, there's something to do with, I'm going to determine my own morality. I'm going to know what I want to know. And so they ate it. Now, again, if you're a kid, like I said, you've certainly thought to yourself, I wouldn't do that. If we could do it all over again, I I would not have eaten, because they're ridiculous. Like, what were they thinking? God said, you will surely die, and they did surely die. But here's the thing. You and I, we made the decisions. We chose the darkness. And in many ways, we keep choosing the darkness. You ever been in a bathroom? Oh, this is going to be a good example. Ever been in a bathroom? And someone either intentionally or accidentally turned the light out on you. It's not a fun feeling. Especially depending on what's going on. But um, you're in the bathroom, someone flips the light off, and, and you wanna like yell right away, but then if you hear laughing, you're like, oh, they did it on purpose. And, and, and you're kinda like lost, you're like, what, what do I do, you know, and you're trying to like, figure this out. How many of you have ever turned the light off on somebody? Would you admit All right, let's just let's just do this. How many of you have turned the light off? on oh, sub. There it is. I I knew it. There it is. Okay. Yep. Kathy, come on. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Um Listen, listen. This is the problem. This is the problem. We like to say I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have chosen the darkness of death. Who would want to die? But not only did you get the lights full thought on you by Adam and Eve? You've done the flipping off of the lights, too. You didn't take from the tree. But you followed in their footsteps and proven you are like father, like son. Like mother, like daughter. You followed in their footsteps. And there have been times when you've thought to yourself, I shouldn't do that. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. And you did it. You flipped the lights off. You did it. It wasn't just done to you. I know that's how we often feel. I was I was innocent, and it was done to me, but you did it. I did it. Every time I choose that way, I choose the darkness of death. Even though I know I'm going to live forever, like I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to lose my salvation, but I'm choosing dark things, spiritually dark things, things that lead to death. You pick them. I picked them. And, and, and though John does not name where the darkness comes from, in a sense he does because he says just look at Genesis. That's where this whole thing comes from. Look at Genesis. We did it. It's because of us. Don't blame the God who is light. Look to yourself. Uh, if you want another example of what I'm talking about, John 3.19 is another, um, you know, Jesus is saying, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. There's a part of us that loves darkness. We we don't want maybe the effects of the darkness. We we don't want to feel the, the despair and the doubt and the difficulty of darkness. But yet, there's something about it we like, which keeps us coming back. Number three. And this is where we're going with our, uh, series this year, uh, for Christmas. Number three is, the darkness cannot overcome the light. This is verse five. The light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not understood it. Now, uh, interestingly enough, I mean, th- this word understood or overcome, it- it's literally the word grasp. Like, like the, the Bible literally reads, the darkness has not grasped the light. Now grasp can be used to refer to your mind. I can't grasp what you're saying. It's it's too hard for me to understand. I can't grasp it. Or it can be used in a more violent way of grasping somebody, of struggling with somebody. Let me show you, let me tell you this. Whenever John uses this word um, grasp, and he uses it three other times, other three times, he uses it in the sense of, of a violent or forceful holding of somebody. Let me show you one of them. Uh, we'll put up the John reference if you have that in front of you. Um, yeah, there it is. John 11, uh, John 12:35. Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness. And there's our word, before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Before the darkness overtakes you, walk while you have the light. So so the idea is there is a struggle between light and darkness. And that is perfect for a Star Wars reference, but I'm gonna resist. Okay? Um but you know, uh before darkness overtakes you. So so I is is it that the darkness didn't understand the light? Or is it that the darkness can't extinguish the light? I kind of think John probably had both ideas in mind when he wrote it. because cause you, you see later in John, uh, it would be John 1, 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. The darkness didn't understand the light. And yet, the darkness can't extinguish the light either. And, and actually, in verse 5, when it says the darkness can't overcome it, it's a past tense verb. Uh, which means the darkness has never overcome it. The darkness was never able to get rid of it. The light continues to shine. One of the um, famous Christmas verses is Isaiah 9-2. Uh, Matthew quotes it. Uh, you know this one. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned and the darkness cannot extinguish that light when Jesus came at christmas light entered the world darkness was dispelled his light shined. when i was um i did a missions trip one time and i was working with a youth organization and it was it there was like 60 Teenagers at this site, we were sleeping at the church and then going out during the day and doing missions projects, and in the evening, we'd all come together. It was like four or five youth groups all together, and they would do you know group building games, you'd share places where you'd seen God working. It was a really cool week. but there was one night when they had everybody put on blindfold, leaders too. so I have a blindfold on, and they had this activity, and I don't remember why they had us do the activity it doesn't really matter. Um, basically all 60 of us formed a long line and we put our hands on the shoulders of the person in front of us. With our blindfolds on, the person at the front, who I assume was not wearing a blindfold, hopefully. I couldn't see it. was so far up. They start going walking through the church. And I mean all over the church. And then they get faster and faster. And then they go up and down steps and, and they're practically running and you're just holding on to the person in front of you with the blindfold on You have no idea what's going on, and I'm like, somebody is going to get trampled here. You know, someone's gonna. This is the worst youth group game ever. You know, I am terrified. I I am just like, why are we doing this? And we're racing through the church in the darkness. I can't see a thing. And you're racing up and down steps, and you can't see a thing. anybody want to be in youth ministry? It's great, great. Worst game ever. And by the end of it, um, nobody was injured. We all took off our blindfolds, and they made some sort of point. It didn't matter because I was terrified. Um, Listen, people, people you know, people I know, maybe yourself, some people are racing through the darkness. Don't know where we're going, but we're racing through it. And it may feel like, maybe in your life, even as a believer, it may feel like you're going to fall. The darkness is going to win. How in the world are you going to get through this activity without injuring yourself, breaking a leg? How is that going to work? And somehow, God keeps you upright even as you race into the darkness and the light still prevails. The the blindfold still comes off. The light still shines and the darkness cannot overcome it. The darkness is not going to take you out. That's the promise of Christ. The darkness cannot overcome it, as Christ's light is shining into your life. So this Christmas season, this is our theme. And I've just chosen some things that we all deal with, some of the darkness we all live with, the darkness of doubt, the darkness of death, the darkness of our own deeds and the shame that comes with it. And I just want to talk this this season about how light penetrates into that darkness and frees us from it. That's, that's the point this year. That's where we're going with this. So I would leave you with three applications to consider this season. Number one, would you invite someone to church with you? this would be an excellent time to bring some. I mean, it's always a good time. We always try to make things understandable. But this would be a really good time to bring somebody because we're all dealing with stuff. You're dealing with stuff. And you got to remember to follow up with them. If you bring them to church, ask them what they thought, what they think of the message, how did it apply to their life. Tell them how it applied to your life. How about as Christians we act real with each other and real with the world and we say, you know what? When they talked about doubt, I've had doubts. And the person you bring is going to be like, really, what? Yeah, I've had doubts. This is what it looks like. And here's how Jesus keeps shining his light onto my doubts. Bring someone with you. Invite them in. Follow up. Ask them what they're thinking. What God is saying to them. Number two. um, Invite the Lord to shine his light into your darkness. Would you come into church in a yielded way? saying, God, I don't come in here perfect, but would you shine the light of Christ into the dark places of my life? Maybe for some of you it's the deeds of darkness that Scripture talks about. Those habitual sins, right? How about Christ shines His light on some of those things so that they don't become what you carry into your next year? We'll talk about that. Invite the Lord in to shine. And number three. Maybe for you today, you just need to accept Jesus' invitation to become his child. This is the verse for you. It's John 1. Uh, John 1.10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Maybe right now you're hearing Christ's invitation to step into the light, step away from your sin. Jesus will forgive it. He died for it. He paid the price for it. Let Him change you. Would the worship team come up now and would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If, if today you've heard about this light, You've heard about the darkness and you want Jesus to forgive you of your darkness. That is, the things that you have done that have been against him. The ways you've broken his commands. Would you pray something like this in your own heart with me today? Lord Jesus, today I recognize that you are full of light You gave me my mind. You gave me my spirit. So that I might seek you. So that I might find you. And today I want to find you. More than that, I want to be found. Because I've been lost in the darkness. So take the blindfolds off today, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. And help me follow you, my risen Savior. This is me right now, stepping into your light. Thank you. And if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, would you look up at me at this time? If this was your day to step into the light, see you, sir. Anyone else? May I pray for the two of you?